Well, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I want to welcome you tonight to Bible study. Excited to be with you again in this place and at this hour. I want to first let me just thank Elder uh, Varner last week who did a phenomenal job in uh, teaching Bible study last week. What an anointed, blessed presentation. I just appreciate her and I thank God for her. And wow, we can see God enlarging her territory and expanding that word of knowledge and wisdom within her. Amen and amen. Thank you to all of you. God bless you. Join me in prayer tonight. Father, we honor you. We thank you for what you're about to do, what you have done, what you will do. The anointing of the Most High God in us. We ask that you would just bless us, keep us, cause us to walk in great places. Anoint this word tonight and the hearers of the word that they may be doers also. In the magnificent, mighty, matchless name of he who loved us enough to die for us, Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. Join me tonight. We're looking together in Proverbs chapter 13. And uh, as you are already aware of, we're doing this wonderful series, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. This is part 13, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. And I want to pick up this dialogue here that we have been engaged in. I want to do it in, a, in this way, um, which is really important to me to say. One of the things I have come to realize that people who become aware of the natural laws of the universe as God has instructed it to function, people who become aware of those natural laws can make use of them to better their lives. Now that, that is not, uh, this is not a, 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 a regards to one's soul being saved and salvation through Jesus Christ as we know it. No, this is simply to say that the natural order of this world and this universe works on what we put into it being something that comes from it so that it's a law of reciprocal order. So that if I put into the world and into the universe, into my existence, bad things, ultimately bad things are coming back, but worse. Jesus put it in this way. He said, if you would sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. In other words, what you are projecting is coming back to you. So that if you will learn to project only that which you desire, then you will find that coming back to you. And any other enemies and any other things the devil tries to do will be flicked away by what God is doing 
to protect you and to protect his order around you. So that, I'll put it another way, you can give your life to Jesus. Ask him to save you. Repent of your sins. Be filled with the precious Holy Spirit. And walk a good life. And still go out and project bad things in the world. And be surprised that they keep coming back. Because you thought that because I accepted salvation, the shield of God automatically shielded me from my natural life. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. The shield of God now shields your soul and shields your spirit person from the onslaught of the enemy and from damnation. But you have a responsibility to live a disciplined life in order to receive God's blessings that come with the natural part of living. Um, uh, so that what I need to recognize is that, I'll give you another example, New Testament example again. If an unclean spirit comes out of a person, that spirit goes in dry places, and when that spirit goes, finding nowhere to lodge. If that person has not now functioned in discipline, that spirit comes back with other spirits worse than the ones that were extricated, exercised from him in the beginning, and the last estate is worse than the first. So that deliverance without any discipline means that I have placed myself in a destructive, doomed situation. So that learning spiritual, physical, natural disciplines brings me into alignment with God and with God's universe. Watch this. So that I need to work on my alignment with God and with divine order. I'll say it again. I need to work on my alignment with God and with divine order. When I lose the, the mindset that works on divine order, I lose out on the blessings that can come from my trust in God and my faith in God so that I can now be in a position to reap a harvest I didn't even know I had sown. Sometimes when you are reaping harvest that you don't know you've sown, sometimes you're reaping things because you sowed them in your ego, in your carnality, in your flesh, without cognitively realizing 
you would have to experience the harvest, whether positively or negatively, in your flesh and in your spirit. And some of us are now dealing with harvest that we wish we could burn down, get rid of, throw away, dispose of, but we sold them. Okay, let me, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, this works for brothers and sisters, so don't think I'm picking on you ladies. So brother, you get with a young lady and y'all have intimacy, y'all are not married, you get with her, she becomes pregnant. You're saved, you're sanctified, you love God, you made a mistake. She's pregnant, she loved the Lord. She, horrible mistake. You both seek God's forgiveness and you're forgiven. And, and God forgives you and, and he makes it right in heaven. Your record is clear in heaven. But if God allows that child to come to term, nine months later, the harvest is there and you now have a lifetime contract between you two because you have done this. And each of you will have to deal with that lifetime contract because you have taken on the sowing and now you deal with the reaping. That's why I tell people all the time, don't, don't sleep with folk you don't want to sleep with forever because you've got to realize that whatever you receive, ladies, if you receive him into your, your flesh, you have received him into your life. You have received him into your spirit. You've received, okay, I know I'm going deep, so, so, so stay with me tonight. What you have to recognize, I'm, I don't even have to preach it as sin. I'm trying to preach it as sowing and reaping, the reciprocal laws. So what I'm telling you in is that if you learn the principles and the keys, the wisdom keys of living, you now take control of your life in multiple areas, thereby controlling your destiny. Destiny is bound in your decisions. Let me say it again. I haven't even gotten to the points yet because I'm setting this up. Destiny is bound in your decisions. So if destiny is bound in my decisions, then my Discipline must be in order so that my decisions follow divine order in order for me to walk and reap divine blessings because destiny is in my decisions and I need to make sure my decisions are in alignment with divine order because I want the blessings that come from divine alignment. So, so tonight, when I, when I lift these things up, I want to I wanna tell you that these are simple. I'm not trying to make it complicated. 
I'm making this as simple as possible because I want you to hold on to where I'm trying to teach you. Thank you, Sister Regina. Sister Regina says soul ties are hard to break. Believe me, soul ties are not only hard to break, but in some cases they're impossible to break. Some of you, if I, if I say this, you, you're going to resonate with it. You can't stand someone in your life that you slept with, that you were close with, or that you were intimately attached to. You can't stand them. They did some reprobatable things to you. They, they caused you trauma, psychic trauma, physical trauma, mental trauma, however you wanna phrase the trauma, but yet you still have a deep sense of connection to them. Why? Because once you intertwine your spirits, you created a tie. And some of us have ties yet to be broken. They are two or three persons back in our life. I'm not trying to say you got a big body count, but there are two or three persons back in our life you may even be married to someone else and happily married. But when that joker's name comes up, there's still something that resonates. You don't want him back. Matter of fact, you don't even want to see him. You don't even want to see her. You don't want to be around him. But, but there's an attachment that almost could make you in your mouth. You have to get... There's an attachment. Okay, I'll get into that another time. I'm, I'm trying not to take you too, too deep tonight. So I want to tell you tonight, really quickly, nine things to guard for wise living. Nine things to guard for wise living. And these nine things are important. They are principles. They're wisdom keys. They're going to help you control your life. So if these nine things are important, then how do we get to them? Let me read some scripture to you. Beginning at verse one, it's, it says a wise son, this is Proverbs 13 verse one, I'm reading the Amplified Version. A wise son heeds and accepts and is the result of his father's discipline and instruction. But scoffer, but a scoffer does not listen to reprimand and does not learn from his errors. From the fruit of his mouth, a wise man enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is of the, for violence. Watch this, verse three. The one who guards his mouth, thinking before he speaks, protects his life. The one who... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The one who opens his lips wide and chatters without thinking comes to ruin. Number one, guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. Number one. Number one. Guard your mouth. Now I've I've got a I've got a <coughs> I've got to say it again. 
put in your mouth guard. Put in your mouth guard. Listen, saints. You've got to learn everything that comes in your head doesn't have to come out your mouth. Everything you think doesn't need to be said. Sometimes there are things that need to be said, but you're not the one to say it. You know, I used to, I have three lovely sisters, and I grew up with three sisters and a beautiful mother. Um, my three sisters, they, back in the day when women wore slips, um, before they found Spanx and all that, when women wore slips, you, you, my mother would, would always check girls when they went out and, you know, make sure everybody was tight. So if we were in church or somewhere and, and one of my sister's slips was slipping, I would nudge her and say, you're slipping, you know, and they fix it up, whatever. And y'all know how y'all used to do back in the day. Now, you young people don't know nothing about this. They, you know, because sometimes they wear the half slip. Sometimes they wear the one over your shoulders and they pull it up and tighten it up. And, and if they lost too much weight, they put a knot. Or I don't know what they did, but they, they, they got it to stay up at the height they wanted at to match the dress they wear. But I had to learn that saying that to my sisters was not the same as walking around church and saying that to other women. Okay, I'm going another direction. Y'all went over some of your head. In other words, in other words, it was appreciated by my sisters because my brother, their brother was making sure they were set. But not so much. Uh, okay, come on back, come on back. Sometimes you and I have got to learn that speaking before we think only gets us in trouble, even if it's the truth. Even if it's the truth. Hold your tongue. Now that doesn't mean you allow sin and craziness and all kinds of debauchery to go on in front of you, no. But it does mean that discretion is the better part of valor. It does mean you hold your peace sometimes. It does mean you keep yourself away from saying certain things. You know, I, I'm, I, people think that, um, uh, that I, I just, I, I'm such a prude because I don't, I don't cuss. Well, I don't use profanity now. I did when I was a child, when I was younger. But I don't use it now as I become who I am. Why? Because it becomes a part of your speech. And if anything a part of your speech, it will become a part of your lexicon of words so that you will use those words in wrong places. You will think those words. They'll be in your spirit. So I guard my mouth from that language because that language does not help me. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help you. It, what one has to learn how to do is to say to yourself, what is it that is coming out of my mouth and is that edifying to the body of Christ? What edification is it bringing? What, what, what is God doing through it, with it, in me? Am I being a healer? Some of us tell stories out of school. Some of us actually, we have a, a propensity for exaggeration. 
Some of us gossip. Guard your mouth. I'm not going to participate in foolishness. Not today, Satan. Not today. You know, I, I talked a lot a couple weeks ago from James about the tongue being the most unruly part of the body. And, and I can tell you this, that many times you have cut yourself off of blessings by what you said. You've cut yourself off from relationships by what you said. You've cut yourself off from deliverance by what you said. You know, it, it's sort of like um, you, you, you go into the car dealership and you tell them you need your car repair and you say, I don't care whatever it costs. Well, now you've just opened up the door for me to find stuff that could have been repaired two years from now. You have to be careful how you speak. Hold it. Hold it. Number two. Number two. Number two. Is to guard your manners. Verse four says, the sole appetite of a lazy person craves and gets nothing for lethargy overcomes ambition but the sole appetite of the diligent who works willingly is rich and abundantly supplied look you have got to be careful that in you your manner everything about you is to do what needs to be done and to get your own personal motivation and manner I'm going to come to motivation again but, but get your own reason and detriment for doing and get going I, I, I see some people sometimes who, who could do more who could be more but they're too lazy to go get it they've got no hustle in them they've got no, no ambition look you've got to get out and say to yourself I'm ready to make it happen and I'm not going to stop until it happens. I'm going to do what I need to get done. Look, you know you got an exam tomorrow and you know you haven't studied. Hey, this might be one night you got to stay up and, and do some cramming and even if it's in short term memory, get it done. You got a paper to get done, you might have to just put a little extra in and get it done. But if you just say manana everything to everything, guess what? Tomorrow never comes. You've got to discipline yourself. Bring it, bring yourself under control. You know, I think of discipline when I just said that word. It reminded me of the first one when I was about guarding your mouth. I was thinking about the, the scripture tells us that, that we need to guard our mouths. And, and, and Paul at one point says that we need to learn. The Greek word is piaso, And he says, I beat my body into submission. I beat my, I, ah! I've got to bring myself under subjection. And that even includes my drive. Number three, number three, is not only do I have to mind, mind my manners, guard my manners, but I need to guard the meek. 
guard the meek. Now, this is um, an important statement here because what he says is, I'm in verse five now, a righteous man hates lies. That's me, I can't stand lies. But a wicked man is loathsome and acts shamefully. And all of us have been on that wicked path at some point or another. We may not be on it today, but, but we know what it means to act shamefully. Righteousness brings in right, being in right standing with God guards the one whose way is blameless. So as a righteous man, I'm going to look out for folk that are, who are blameless, who are innocent, who are meek, I'm gonna look out for them. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. I'm gonna look out for them because I'm not going to allow you to simply talk about others or, or mess up people that don't deserve it. I can't tell you how many saints of God have stood up for me. I, I never will forget, we were in a, um, um, we had had a business meeting here at the church. It was a rough meeting as many in my early years as pastor. And so uh, I, I got through there and one of, the de one of the men in the meeting, de one of the deacons had said some rough things about me. He was said it in a nice way, but it was rough. And, uh, and so, okay, fine, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And we, we worked it out in the meeting and he understood where I was coming from, I understood where he was coming from. It was, so I kind of thought he didn't like me. I kind of thought he didn't like me. So afterwards, we had a, another few weeks went by. We had a Bible study on a Wednesday night. That was when we had a Bible study on Wednesday night. After Bible study, there was an NAACP meeting over at OIC. And a lot of us are members of NAACP. So we all went over there to the, uh, to the NAACP meeting. Why not? We going. And uh, Deacon Story, I think, might have been running for president. And so a lot of us wanted to go to support the chairman. So I'm just sitting in the back. I'm not saying anything. It's sure there's a lot of folks who were at Bible study who went, oh, I see is not even, what, half mile from here? We, we all went over there, parked, went into the building, and we're at the meeting. And I'm sitting in the back, I'm not saying anything. I'm just minding my own business. Election is going on. They had everybody there from the state for the election and everything. I didn't know there was any issues. I'm a member. All these people were there. So we're sitting there. And somebody I didn't even know comes, stands over me, and that joker was ready to hit me. He was cutting up and yelling. Yeah. And I'm looking up like, what in the world is going on? The same deacon that I thought had a problem with me I say his name, he's in glory and I love him and he loved him there. Deacon Winston jumped up and came back and said, you won't talk to my pastor like that. What is wrong? And he stood between me and the man and I thought they were about to go to blows and, and of course it, he, plenty of people came around and it dispersed but two things happened in that moment. One, was I didn't move, and I don't know why. But two, I realized 
that the person I'm thinking doesn't like me because he disagreed with me or, or didn't understand me was actually standing up for me and guarding what was at that point my meek spirit. Let me bless you right here. You have to realize that there are seasons when you're not in a position to fight for yourself that people of righteousness and goodwill will stand for you. And sometimes you're the stander and sometimes you're the one who needs someone to stand for you. And it's our duty. I'm not talking about it's our duty to fight. It's our duty to guard the meek, to be there, to love one another. And, and I'm not saying deep was there to fight. I want, my point is that there are times when God says, look, don't, don't, don't just let stuff go on in front of you. You can't let the devil just ride and do his thing. You've got to call it under subjection and say, Satan, you're a liar. Okay, number four, guard your manifestations. Guard your manifestations. This is important. Now, some of y'all are not going to like what I'm going to say, and I'm not sure I'm crazy about it either, so let's, let's just be honest. But this is scripture. He says, there's one who pretends to be rich. I'm in verse 7 in Proverbs 13. Yet has nothing at all. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. The ransom for a poor man's life is his wealth, but the poor man does not even have to listen to the rebuke or threats from the envious. Okay, first things first. Here, here what he says to us is this. You have to recognize that you have a number of people who wear masks and put on airs of wealth they don't have, who try to act like they got something they don't have. Be careful not to be one of them. Be careful not to act like, you know, you don't need it. Be careful not to be pretentious. You don't need it. You don't need it. The Message Bible puts verse seven this way, a pretentious, showy life is an empty life. Be careful not to be pretentious and showy for, in front of people. Um, you know, it's funny, um, I, you go to um, certain areas in the country and uh, you, you know not to wear certain stuff. Or you, people will tell you, well, I'm not wearing my jewelry there. Or I'm not wearing my, my, my whatever, my good this there. Why? Because showiness makes you a target. Wow. You have to be careful of how you present yourself in the world, your manifestations in the world, because the way we project ourselves in the world will will have people looking at us in a certain way. What I need to be sure of 
is that way I carry myself, my manifestation, I'm not saying you have to be so plain and so simple, and I'm not saying you can't have your style. I have my style, you have your style. If you haven't figured my style out yet, just keep watching me. But you need to be careful because sometimes what we are sending out may not be received the way we think it is. Hello. And 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 ladies, you have to be be real careful. I, I, I see men, you know, who, who who will carry themselves in a certain way and will act like they're single when they know they marry. But I see women who will will be giving off those flirtatious looks and eyes like they single and they know they married. Or, or will not even be trying in their countenance or in anything they say, but they'll be wearing an outfit that says, look at me. Well, now, now let me just help folk here. If you wear a look at me outfit, don't look at someone and say, what you looking at? I'm looking at exactly what you wanted me to look at. If you didn't want me to see that, you'd have covered that up. If you didn't want me to see the shape of it, you'd have put on something, come on. So my, what I've got to always be careful of is my manifestations. Whether it be wealth, whether it be alluringness, whatever it is, whatever manifestation it is, I've got to be careful of it. Now let's get back to the crux of the text. He says, when you ain't got nothing, verse, the next verse, verse 8 says, you don't have to worry about what anybody thinks because if they took you to court, they couldn't get nothing anyway. The, the truth of the matter is that you want to live your life in such a way with a level of dignity in a manner in which people can take you seriously and you can do your job. You know, there was a great, um, um, and I do say great, movie, Aaron Brockovich. And Aaron Brockovich was this paralegal who really helped to, to really save an entire community that had been poisoned and mistreated. And it, I believe it's a true story. But one of the problems, one of the things about her that really created the greatest stir was the way she dressed. She dressed so provocatively that it was hard for people to take her seriously. That's the character, that's the show. But you've got to know that there are certain things that we can do or that we do that can cause people to see us in a certain light. All right? Okay. Number five. Number five. This is important. Guard your magnificence. Guard your magnificence. This is Regina, you on it tonight. Regina said, don't give off the hungry, thirsty vibe. <laughs> Excuse me, y'all. I didn't want to go there. Yeah, because 
there is a thirsty look. There, there is. And, and, and married women can have a thirsty look too. So you got to be careful. You got to watch yourself, you know. Uh, I, I mean, hey, okay, I'm going to be good. It's, I'm gonna, tell Sister Regina to stop taking me off time. She can try to mess me up here. I'm just kidding, down. You, you right on point. Look, guard your magnificence. What does it mean? Verse 9, the light of righteousness. What's the light of righteousness? Within you should grow brighter and rejoices. But the lamp of the wicked is, t is a temporary light and goes out. You've got to guard your light. I do believe this with all of my heart, that you can almost tell where people are spiritually just by looking at them. You can tell when the light is starting to go out when their spirit is dipping, when they're going downhill. Guard your light. Guard your spirit. Guard that God in you. <coughs> Pollen count is real high and I'm fighting. Guard that because you are important. You are God's gift. And that anointing in you is the brilliance of God. And the closer you are to God, the more people will see it, the more they'll recognize the magnificence of God in you. And you need to be careful not to let anybody, I don't care how good looking they are, how much you desire them, how much they desire you, don't let anybody take away your light. Don't let anything you know, the, the text teaches us, the um, um, Bible says, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. And I should tell you this, God's love is going to always be with you. But the light of God's love in you is going to glow or dim by how connected you stay to that love. And you need to make sure that the magnificence of God remains bright in you. We do that through prayer, through fasting, through meditation, through reading the scriptures. We do that through hearing the word of God preached, being in Bible study. That, that's, hey, we've got to keep that magnificence up. You know, you see people who were on fire uh, two years ago, uh, on fire a month ago, and they don't have no fire now. Hey, let me tell you something. Every day you go through stuff, you use some of the fire to make it through. You got to keep stoking the fire. You got to keep putting logs on it. You got to keep the light going. You got to keep your lamp trimmed and burning. Keep adding oil. See all the metaphors I'm throwing in? Look, you've got to keep doing it because you keep using it because you need it. You need it. Number six, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Guard your mind. <coughs> <coughs> mm. 
pride and presumption come nothing but strife. <coughs> Excuse me again, y'all. But skillful and godly wisdom is with those who welcome and that is well-advised counsel. I, I'm, I, I'm gonna tell you this. You've gotta realize, and I, I really could read that down through verse 16, but I'm not, because I'm gonna get, it, get done with all of these tonight. You've gotta realize that your mind is important. Everything that goes in it, everything around it, you know, he says you've got to be careful because you're going to go through life where sometimes hope when deferred is going to make the heart sick, but other times when your desires are fulfilled, is fulfilled, it becomes like the tree of life. You've got to, you've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your mind. Verse 13 says you've got to keep the good counsel. You need to keep it because if you don't, when, when you despise the word, what are you going to do? You're bringing destruction upon yourself. You're going to bring destruction. What I've got to get in my spirit is that by speaking and learning to listen to wise counsel, I'm going to bless my mind and keep my mind aligned with what God is doing. I've got to keep my mind, you know, if, 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 if you can keep your mind stayed on the Lord, when I was young, we sing a song, all day long I've been with Jesus. This has been a glorious day. I have climbed one step higher up the blessed King's Highway. And if I stumble along the way, he'll forgive me when I pray. Now, wait a minute. If you with God all day long, guess where your mind is? On God. My mind is made up. I'm on my way up. Look, where your mind is, and let me tell you something. I know you and I are all alike. We have times when our minds just go on their own tangent. Look, don't leave us to our own devices because our mind be someplace and we can't even tell you where we went. You, you know, my, the old folks say, I don't mind, it's the devil's workshop. I don't know what the devil be doing in there, but you better watch him because that rascal be doing some crazy stuff. Okay, got to rush. Number seven, guard your motivation. Guard your motivation. Guard your motivation. And this is important. Here's what it says. A wicked messenger falls into hardship, but a faithful ambassador brings healing. Look, when you're walking in faithfulness to God in all that you do, and your motivation is to be faithful, God's going to bless you in every area. When, when your motivation is to live with divine instruction, guess what? Blessings are coming. Poverty and shame is going to come to those who don't, who don't listen to divine instruction. But those of us who will accept God's will and God's reproof, guess what? We're going to be honored. Let me tell you something. 
you have to realize when your motivation is to serve God, blessings are going to follow. All right, number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Guard your mates. Guard your mates. This is a good one here. Because I got, I've got to learn something. Verse 20 says this. He who walks as a companion with the wise men will be wise. But the companion of conceited, dull-witted fools are fools themselves and will experience harm. Adversity pursues sinners, but the consistently upright will be rewarded with prosperity. Okay, listen. You, you got to do this. You got to guard your mates. I want to tell you this. This, this is going to help you right here. You can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Now, family's family, and all of us got some folks in our family that we may look at and say, well, you can't choose family, but you can choose your friends. And those who you choose, you ought to choose wisely. You know, you know the message Bible says, be wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Hang out with fools, watch your life fall to pieces. All right, all right. You know, let me tell you something. Pookie, Ray Ray, Nuck Nuck. You got you got to watch out now. You can hang out with them if you want to. Go on. Hang out with them. You gonna go where they go. And I can't promise you they're going to a good place. Because they may be doing stuff you don't want to be doing. And they may have to pay a price you can't afford to pay. Last point, and I've got and I'm gonna finish tonight. Last point. This is a good one here. Guard your bag. Guard the money. Guard your money. Guard your money. Guard your money. Now someone will say, Reverend, how do you do that? You want to get to the place where you're putting it away in store. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children, children. You want to get to the place where you're working hard and diligent Abundant food is, is in the fallow or un, uncultivated ground of the poor, but without protection it is swept away by an injustice. He who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son, verse 24, but he who loves him disciplines and trains him diligently, appropriately with wisdom and love. Let me tell you something. Even if you leave money to a, an uns, undisciplined son, undisciplined daughter, they're not going to have anything because you've got to help them to get it while, they, while you're there and to learn work ethic and learn the value of things. So a part of guarding your money is helping your seed to learn how to live a disciplined life. You want to help those around you to live consistently 
and to learn, listen see, the consistently righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite. What happens? The more you're walking in, in the things of God, the more you realize, hey, I may not need that right there. This right here works just great for me. I may not need that over there. This works great. Why? Because I'm guarding my money. I not only want enough to live on, I want enough to leave. So I want to be able to live and leave. Live and leave. I want to be a good steward over not only what I have, but over those that God has entrusted me with as my seed. Now, all of these principles, all of these things I said to guard, all function for those saved and they work for the unsaved because they work within the natural order of life as God has divinely ordered it. So stop trying to fight the divine order and align yourself with this truth so that you can live the good life. And this is an answer, ancient wisdom for our modern problems. And guess what? It still works. God bless you, saints. This is the word of God for the people of God. I hope you can say, thanks be to God. Well, I love you all with the love of the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Thank you for being a part of this. Excuse my few coughs in your ear. Hopefully, if you were listening to my headphones, it didn't come across too loudly. Uh, but we'll, we're working. I know some of you understand when you're uh, in the allergy season, you know, someone says, take some Dristan. Someone says, Zyrtec. Someone says, Flonase. Someone says, put a little Vicks on your chest. Put a little bit on your tongue. Someone says, make some hot tea. Someone says, make a hot tot. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Somewhere in the middle, we're going to find the, the right thing and get through this season. But I love you all with the love of the Lord, and I thank you so much for the value of your time. And I pray you receive something from this teaching tonight. Now, I'm getting ready to get out of here, but I would be remiss if I didn't give some individual a chance that did not know the Lord or that said, look, I want to be a part of that ministry. You can call us, connect with us, email us. You can get in touch with us here at Shiloh. We would love to have you a part of the Shiloh Church family, you can become an e-member. We'd love for you to come and be a part of us. Now, saints, we, at the close of our Bible study, we always give benevolently. The Hope Church of Orlando has just experienced a horrific problem. Thank you for that sign. Um, the Hope Church of Orlando was having some work done in their sanctuary. And uh, this is Archbishop Alan T.D. Wiggins, a good friend of ours and part of the great gospel jazz group, uh, Alan Allen. In the church, as they were working on their ceiling and their, their new infrastructure, someone hit a pipe that connected to their sprinkler system. Well, the pipe was pressurized 
water went all over the sanctuary, ruined everything in the place, ruined their sanctuary from Gucci to Gumi, and the insurance has come in and has taken care of a lot of that destruction. And, um, and I'm so grateful to hear about that. And some of the work is being done now. If you tune in to the Hope Church Orlando, you'll find they're exclusively online again as in the middle of the pandemic. So what they've done is the insurance has fixed up many of the things. What the insurance would not pay for were the new sanctuary chairs. I think they have about 700 chairs in their sanctuary. So they're, they're trying to replace their sanctuary chairs. And they ask people to join them in getting chairs. Now, I'm not going to ask you to get a chair unless that's what you want to do. Their chairs are about $58 a chair. With delivery, they're $70 a piece. I looked at the chairman tonight. I said, look, a church like Shiloh, we should be able to do 20 chairs easily. Amen? We should just be able to do that. Look, I want us to participate in blessing them. Let me tell you again, I just talked about the law of reciprocity. Let's send it out. God's going to bless us. There'll be other times when we'll be the one that'll be in need. I want to bless them. I want to get at least 20 chairs, and I'd love to make sure it's 21 because it's God's, God's best number. Amen. Look here. Join me tonight in giving benevolently this offering and whatever we need, we're going to put it together and we're going to bless the Hope Church of Orlando. So tonight's offering is going to be for Hope Orlando. We're going to bless them and help them replace their chairs. We, we don't want them to be sitting on wet, mildew chairs or, or, or chairs that are dry rotten because they've gotten soaking wet and all that. We want them to have new chairs. Their members are buying chairs. And the, their Shiloh family of love is going to buy some chairs. I hope you will join me. Give is unto the Lord. They just put it on the screen. Three ways to give through Givelify, through Cash App, or through mail. The benevolent offering this night is going to be for Hope Orlando. Let's bless them. Pastor Wiggins, Archbishop, does not know I'm even asking. He did not ask me to ask. He did not ask anyone. He asked his members. I am his brother in love. He knows that I love him, and we love them, and we love him and their ministry. So we're going to bless them, and that's the best way when someone doesn't ask you and you bless them anyhow. Let's do it tonight. Whatever you give, however much it is, let it be a part of us blessing them with at least 21 chairs. All right? I told you there's 70 apiece. I'm not asking you for that. You do whatever you can. Say, I want to be a part of sending out this blessing. Well, I love you all tonight. I want to thank God for each of you. And I want to just let you know that God loves you and so do I. I want you to realize that God's blessings and his hand of mercy is upon us. I want to tell you, Mother Johnson got out the hospital, asked you to continue to pray for her, and uh, please keep our dear brother Larry in your prayers. Um, we want to keep him before the Lord. Keep each other in your prayers. Just know God is still blessing. 
Thank you for praying for my wife and my daughter. They're doing much better now. And I thank God for each of you and for all the blessings. God bless you. This has been another great night of Bible study. Join us tomorrow, 1 o'clock, for community prayer. 1 p.m. tomorrow, community prayer. Be online. Let's talk to the Lord together. I love you all the love of the Lord. This has been another great night here at Shiloh. And you know what I always say. Shalom. Clock.